This is small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away. A song away. A song away. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and joining me today around the table, very excited. This gentleman has been making music for 35 years. It's unbelievable. <laughs> wow. yeah. With the band The Alarm, and I'm going to kiss your butt a little bit before we start, Mike. Okay, that's all right, Pat. The, the voice is still solid. Yeah. The songwriting chops are still solid. And you still rock. So everybody welcome three, Mike Peters. Three strikes and we're in. <laughs> and you're in. <laughs> also joining us to my right is Jules Peters. And you are currently in the, in the band also. You're in the current lineup of The Alarm. That's right, Pat. Yeah, I'm cheap. I'm very cheap. <laughs> how, did you get, how did you get this job? Was it tough? Was it an audition process? <laughs> uh, well, he's a tough, um, he's a tough boss, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. we have a very different relationship. We're in the band together. I know that who the boss is. <laughs> yeah, it was a tough audition, to be honest. Yeah, well, I'm sure it was. You just don't throw it. You just, you got to have the chops. You don't just get handed that. I'm joking, of course. <laughs> yeah. But uh, how, how long have you two been married? Uh, since 1988. So, 1988. Yeah, yeah, we met in 1986, and and Jules been in and out of the band all kinds of ways and styles, and and helped out in the background. But uh, this time, uh, was, never my intention to be yeah. in the band. Can I just point that one out? <laughs> uh, but I played classical piano when I was a kid in back in North Wales, and Mike and I met in 1986. Got engaged after one week, much to my parents' horror, and here we are, all these years on. <laughs> See, they said I, it would never last. I didn't know that. I didn't know the relationship story. This is amazing. I love it. Congratulations. <laughs> For, for standing the test of time. You yeah, guys. we deserve medals, both of us. <laughs> yeah. And you both walked in here happy, smiling, so yeah. uh, in, in traffic. Survived the LA yeah. traffic. Yes, intact. you did. We've been in a little red sports car. Whenever we come to LA, we love hiring a convertible. <laughs> but a we're good... absolutely exhausted from it. It's been like the wacky races spinning around LA. <laughs> yes. Tumbled out the tour bus this morning at Santa Monica. Our kids are out on the beach somewhere with our drummer, and uh, we just scooted <laughs> off in the car. Yeah, we're a proper <laughs> Family affair and the alarm. That's what how many, makes it tick. Uh, I was going to ask, how many children do you have? Only two. Just two. <laughs> yes, two. That's enough. enough. That's how yeah. many I have. Yeah. Two boys. How old yeah. are the boys? Uh, Fifteen yeah. and twelve. Fifteen and twelve. Uh, very mine, independent kids. Mine are fourteen and eighteen. Right. So yeah, oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah, it's Congratulations. Great yeah, yeah, thank you. We, we put them to work. They're hardworking boys, so they load the gear in, they set the gear up, they take the photographs, the videos, they say, String the guitars. String the guitars. Child labor, really. Do they they also have some uh, musical ability, these boys? Yeah, they both play piano, guitars, drums. They've got their own band called Third Generation. They play gigs. They play gigs in our local pub in Wales. I love that you just turned on the mom gene and you're you're promoting the boys. I love it. Rock mom. (laughs) (laughs) And you guys are in town because you just played Saturday night. Yeah, we played uh, yeah at the uh, at the Microsoft Theatre. It was a fantastic night, and uh, seven and a half thousand people there, and uh, we had the, all had the the torches out, and they were singing along, and cl- and I ended up in the crowd. It was, you you you, you was, jumped, you stage dove in there. I did. I went straight in at the end of the set. That's rock and, and roll, Mike. You have to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> now this is one of those shows where it's a, it's an '80s show. Where how many songs did you actually play that uh, night? Five. 
You did five. Yeah, that's we, right. Did you yeah. guys close it out? Were you the headliners? No, no, we were we were just before uh, the main acts. Okay, so you get five songs. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been to those shows before. Yeah, it's fun. It's great. It was. It reminded me of when we first came to America and we played things like American Bandstand mm-hmm. or or how we broke in Britain playing Top of the Pops. Um, that it was it was a kind of review show and there's bands from all, all styles on there. Yeah. So I think it just uh, when you play. With, with bands who don't sound like you, it amplifies the volume of it, your absolutely. sound and your message, uh, and it's a, it's a great chance to to come across to a lot of people in a short space of time, and uh, that's that's how the band broke in the first yeah. place, really getting those opportunities. Now, in a show like like Saturday Night, do you get to throw a new song or two in there? We did, yeah, you did. We, cool. we played two from the new album Sigma. And one of them turned out to be the highlight of the night. It was called That's Song. terrific. And it was, uh, everyone took out their torchlights and on their cell phones and it made for a really spectacular, beautiful moment. And, and the song, it, it, it hangs in the air when uh-huh. you play it. We, we've noticed it from coming on this tour, how that's, that song's getting a lot of traction on the internet. It's, it's getting played a lot on the streaming services. And uh, it's been uh, really openly received by the audience from the first time we played it at the alarm gathering in Cardiff mm-hmm. before we left for America. And which song was that again? Psalm. And I don't have that one queued up today, ah, but will there you go. people go, go look for it, go, go <laughs> buy will. that Absolutely, one. Absolutely, yeah. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's not your typical alarm song, really. Yeah. Uh, but we're not the typical version of the alarm anymore, either. You know, <laughs> we've been through a lot to survive to you be s- here now. It sounds so good, though. It's amazing. I was, yeah. you know, you know, sometimes, you know, the veteran artists, they slow they slow down a little bit, but not you guys. You sound great. Chrissy Hines sounds great. Rush always sounded great. You guys, you're keeping it together, and I love it. That's 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 important to, yeah, to me as, as the writer and the, and the creative center of the band, if you like. If I can be bold to describe myself as that, but it's uh, well, you've been there the longest. Yeah, so. yeah it's, um, it's my life story. The leader. It the runs, leader. <laughs> yeah, my life story runs. You know, my DNA is 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 the core of the band, I guess, and uh, it's been there at every juncture in the band's history, and uh, and and the th- and the thread continues. But mm. for me, the the what I've always strived for for the alarm was longevity, well, and, and that's our success. Thirty five years. That's right. That's our success story. Probably a little longer than thirty five years. I'm just talking about the recorded. <laughs> yeah. Guys- well, well, our hit, our official biography says we started in 1981, but that was really to hide the sins <laughs> of our past. <laughs> <laughs> we, we started as a punk band called The Toilets in 1977. Oh, that's, just, that's, not a, that's not a good name, Mike. It's not Even for a name. punk band, Toilets doesn't work for me. Uh, Mike, I've only, sadly, I've only seen you perform one time live, but I'll tell you when it was. 1984, April 10th, at the Stanley Theater in Pittsburgh, you opened for Pretenders yeah. on the Learning to Crawl Tour. That was amazing oh yeah and that's when you used to put the hair really <laughs> yeah. big all yeah. the all you guys had it like hair, way yeah. up there <laughs> that's it. i'd be married to mike peters and mike peters hair <laughs> <laughs> for a yeah, long time. now back in the day when you got on a plane you probably had to check your hair you couldn't <laughs> yeah, take exactly, it was yeah. too large to get on the plane <laughs> there's a lot of hair in the yeah. peters household when, when, when we used to when before we were sort of broke as a band we trying to get home to wales from london and you have to put your thumb out and hitchhike from the bottom of the m1 you, you definitely had to smooth your hair down to get a lift yeah, home. <laughs> <laughs> well one because you look like a you look like a hellion and two because it wouldn't fit in the car <laughs> that's it exactly yeah <laughs> all right let's get into this new album this new album 2019 sigma the song i have queued up first i got a couple songs queued up but the first one is blood red viral black and let's hear some of this this is amazing 
this song about tell me what this is about well it's uh, it's it's it was the originally going to be the title song of the record uh, and the album was was originally conceived as a double album okay. to be truthful and that was going to be called blood red viral black and and it was because i had a lot of songs that come out of a really intense situation mm-hmm. at home with jules being diagnosed with breast cancer and i'd relapsed with my leukemia and and uh, we were sort of spun out of control and um and in the situations that life placed me in, either being outside the hospital while Jules was having treatment sure. or in these horrible positions with my own self, um, I just wrote all my feelings down into my iPhone and, and ended up with masses and masses of words. And, and when we'd come through the worst of the situation, I showed Jules all the words, said, this is what was coming out of me while you were in the hospital. And, and, and Jules read some and said, I think that's your next album, isn't it? And, wow. and that's where it really started. But to get a handle on it and to try to sort of wrestle things back mm. into control, I, I'd started to put all the songs into categories. Some were red, blood red, and they were internal feelings, um, more personal. And then the, there was viral black lyrics and I thought they were express the uncertainty of the yeah. world we were living in because we, we were having an uncertain personal life but it was also changing at without with you know having a new kind of president in America as everybody knows who challenges everybody's <sighs> thinking and thought processes it's tough man it's tough and it's the same it's in Britain we're, we're faced with Brexit and new kinds of leaders there and and everything that we uh, value is 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 out of control a little bit and we have to sort of uh, question things and so that that was the blood red viral black is the overall concept gotcha. of, of the entire record now i can't let it i can't just buzz by uh two people that are married to each other and two people that are cancer survivors you look you both look fantastic <laughs> first of all <laughs> but mike i i know that you were you were diagnosed in 2005 well originally 1995 1995 yeah it was it was i was diagnosed with non-hodgkin's lymphoma then mm-hmm. and then in 2005 i was re-diagnosed with with leukemia with chronic lymphocytic leukemia so that's where the, the main story started i guess and then how is your health right now and then we'll move to jules uh, really good you know I, i'm um uh, which I think is really positive for leukemia sufferers. Probably some are going to be listening. And um, I'm on a drug called idolalisib, and I take it orally. And, when, and it was came. I came to it through a clinical trial when I'd relapsed. My doctor got me on the trial. The drug initially was labelled as as a oral chemotherapy okay. treatment, but now. It says it's an anti-cancer treatment, which I, like I that. think is amazing. Yeah, I love yeah, hearing I love that, that as well. <laughs> so Have that you means... remember to take your anti-cancer I do. tablets today? Yes, this morning <laughs> and, the, and this evening tonight. I'll be doing it. Twice a day? What it does, it's liber- I take it twice a day, and it's liberated me from 
being in hospital. I used yeah. to be in hospital every three weeks for maintenance, treatment or chemotherapy. And then all of a sudden when I got on this drug, my blood count came under control. And my doctor said, look, Mike, I don't really need to see you for three months now. So it means I can come to America for eight and, weeks on and, tour. And being um, in a hospital doesn't, it, it's not good for your, you know, psyche. You're sitting there, every, you know, everyone's yeah. sick and you just feel. It just pulls you no, down. You can be at the beach and take this pill and you're, and you're feeling it's good. It's amazing. Yeah. And it says anti-cancer on it, which means <laughs> it's not coming back. Not as far as I'm concerned anyway. Now, Jules, um, because of Mike's uh, cancer issues, were you someone that would always get checked? And- Oh, it's it's very interesting because obviously since I was 29, I've been a part, of, I've been Mike's carer, I guess, for, through his whole cancer journey. Because mm-hmm. uh, like he said, he spent lots and lots of time in hospital. There's been lots of stress, lots of worry, lots of amazing positive times. But I think for us both being so young, lots of dark times as mm-hmm. well. Um, and I'm fairly level-headed. So for, for me to get diagnosed, uh, everyone took a sharp intake of breath. Uh, I think they thought that Mike had taken the cancer bullet for our family. Yeah. And so it was at 2016, right after Mike had relapsed, you couldn't have written the script. I could not believe that this was happening to me. Yeah. Um, and the BBC uh, happened to be uh, filming a documentary about us both at, at that time. And three months into the filming, um, I found a lump. So in answer to your question, did I check myself? I certainly wasn't afraid of cancer. And I'm, sure. I, I spend a lot of time in hospitals with Mike. So it's very much my world but I I think it's interesting to say to other people listening in uh, that I didn't stand in the shower checking myself um obviously because there were there were three lumps in my breast when mm. I was finally diagnosed and um I don't know I, th- I, th- I think everyone's so busy getting on with life that especially you just need to be aware of your body I would say um I'm you know, very fit. I've always trained really hard. So I think for me, it was a bit of a shocker. I, I probably thought I was too fit to be right, diagnosed sure. with cancer. Stupid psychology, you know, because I'm living with a man um, who's had cancer for almost 20 years. But um, yeah, I would say try try and be aware of your body. But even now I've, I've got through it. Uh, I'm in my third year now. Uh, I still don't like checking my breasts, if I'm honest. I think I think women are slightly more apprehensive mm-hmm. about having a good poke around because nobody wants to find that lump yeah. and nobody wants to have to go and make that awkward exactly. call to the doctors. So I would just say, be, be aware. And if things aren't right, don't be afraid. Go and see the doctor. And so what, what treatment did you have to, you caught it early enough that was it able to Well, I, th- I think my husband can step in and say that it was, uh, and I don't want to alarm, alarm people listening in, but um, it was a very grueling journey. Mm-hmm. I, I was, uh, we came to New York, I got diagnosed, I overheard my consultant saying that he was going on vacation. So I kind of bargained to say, let's go to New York for a month, let me get my head together. Mm-hmm. But then when I got back off the plane, it was like, boom, straight back into this grueling journey um of chemotherapy which i was really hoping to avoid yeah. i lost a lot of my hair which i was extremely upset about and 95 percent of women when they're diagnosed are absolutely destroyed about the thought of losing their mm-hmm. hair even though they know they can lose their life um, that's a massive thing that i try and help other women with to use a cold cap on on their head um which has been introduced into america now um so so yeah it, it it's been a very very tough time um but look i've i've got through it so anyone listening in i just want to say 
uh, don't be afraid. There are there are incredible treatments out there for breast cancer now. For Mike and his leukemia, you know, uh, w- me and Mike are living proof that uh, no one wants to get diagnosed right. with cancer. Uh, the light went out of our lives when Mike got diagnosed, when I got diagnosed. Simple things like just going for a cup of tea or a beer with your friends. Everything is just leaden down with fear. Um, and and now you know, like every day without us having to face mm-hmm. that is a an amazing day so we're very upbeat we're, we're we're both very positive we've always chosen to turn right rather than turn left and i know that's not easy for everyone but i think stay busy keep distracted yeah. we kept gigging we kept yeah I, I was wearing the cold cap and i was feeling really upset and having like a meltdown about just feeling sorry for myself you know cross and angry sure, and all of those course, things yeah. of course you would and then mike would pop his head in while i was having my chemotherapy and he'd be like i need you to play keyboards on the new album and i was like what are you talking about? You, you're being ridiculous. I, I'm having chemotherapy for my breast cancer. Go away. Um, you're but, trying to insert some normalcy <laughs> into this, this was, extreme yeah. situation. Yeah. He yeah. kept me focused. He kept me distracted. We had hilarious moments, you know, where because uh, Mike was very gung-ho about his cancer. I think he approached it in quite... He's an incredibly wonderful, positive man. And um, well, the but, mu- the, uh, Not to interrupt yeah, you, yeah. but the, the lyrics in the music have always been you know, positive and anthem, anthem. Annoyingly and, you know. so at times. You know, <laughs> Annoyingly and, I, so. <laughs> and I can say that because I've been with him since 1986 sure. and I love him for his positivity, but uh, when you're not quite feeling that positivity. Mm. So when I got diagnosed, we realized it was going to be a tough year ahead and poor Mike would have to cancel some gigs, which he hates doing. <laughs> he had to do this time. Um, I, I just, uh, as I said to him, I can't approach it in that, you know, Mike wore green, famously wore green. Our charity love, hope, strength, dot com is green because he wore camo to kind of fight it whereas i felt the complete opposite i felt very much like i wanted to dance with my breast cancer and embrace it and it was part of me it was just my cells behaving badly and i I didn't feel in fighting spirit as such and i said just i'm telling you right now don't you get all kind of like combat with me and um (laughs) and, and i don't want um you know i don't want you to to indulge me. So if I'm feeling sorry for myself, I want tough love. I, I should never have said that because boy, oh boy, is he good at giving tough love. And he would just say, right, no meltdowns. Come on, you're, you're coming to the studio with me in the morning and uh, whether you like it or not. And I was like, oh, I was just melting down in but the corner. But then after the fact, would it make you feel better that you did oh, go out com- and do it? Complete. You need someone to get your hand and drag you out through the door. And that is the hardest step to take. And then once you're through the door, like, you know, for me with Mike, he took me to the studio and Billy Duffy from the cult was there and Ian McNabb from iSchool Works and within a few hours I was giving him the wave heading down to the pub with these rock legends and yeah I felt I, I just say to everyone you've got to get yourself out the door doesn't matter how how sorry for yourself you are get out there and then you get distracted you'll bump into someone else you'll hear about their problems right. and and then you know you're on the road to recovery a- absolutely well since this is the perfect time you just you brought up billy duffy so i'm just going to play uh <laughs> coming backwards from the last album from 2018 nice. from equals so let's just hear this then we'll get back to talking with you guys break down a moving parts life speeding by like a falling star i don't want to be anywhere but where
great tune. It might sound well live. <laughs> did you uh, did you wear the camo because you felt like you were fighting physically fighting the cancer? Uh, it, it, yeah, in a way. But it, it, I was um, when I was it, the camo came about from '95 when I was first diagnosed, mm-hmm. and uh, it was on the eve of an American tour, and I was supposed to have a bone marrow transplant, and I, and I said to the medical team, "Look, I can't cancel the tour. That's you know, we just that was so told negative." You like canceling. <laughs> so what? So. Uh, and then, so you toured, you toured knowing that you needed bone marrow transplant. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it was, it was because it was so out of the blue. Uh, How I was, much physical pain are you in at that time? Well, I wasn't in any physical you pain. Weren't. Yeah, okay. I, was, I was on my way to a gig. I felt a lump in my collarbone I, that I could move up and down. And I thought, what's that? So maybe I'm tired. I'll go to the doctor. Okay. And they, they sent me for a blood test. And, and my brother was, Jules with me. My brother was waiting outside. We were going to a gig. And then the doctor pulls me in and says, and hands me a sheet of paper across the table that says, we've got to talk about cancer. And, and it, the lights go out. And, and then he, and you said, not with me. You well, must have me he, mistaken. He just said to me, look, we got, this is what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to do a bone marrow transplant. And, and, and he said, we'll, we'll come back tomorrow and we're going to talk about this properly. And I said, well, I can't really. I'm, I'm on way to a gig and then I'm going to America. You know what? And, and I think part of it was, was running away in a way. Yeah. And, and, be, and because I was diagnosed right on this knife edge of time and, and uh, I didn't really have to think didn't have too much time to think about it. My instinct said, go on the tour. I sat, said to the doctors, look, you want me in a positive frame of mind to win this battle? I, I said, if I cancel everything, it'd be so negative. There'll be so many downsides come on top of me because it's harder to cancel a tour than it is to play it. Yes. And I said, let me do the tour and I'll be come back and I'm focused and we're going to go for cure. We're really, and I'll be ready for it. And there was a, there was a, it was a big argument, but in the end they, they let me go. And I, I spoke to a faith healer from the airport and, and my friend put me in touch with and she said, focus on green as a I'd like to point out that her name was Bambi and I obviously (laughs) thought Mike was stark raving bonkers but Mike you you do realise though if you had to cancel the tour because of having cancer that people would they would have understood. You do yeah, know. Of course, that. they would. I, did, I knew that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it was just. Uh, it was just. I, did, I needed time to think. Okay. And uh, and in a way, my doctor says to me now, Mike, your actions saved your life. The life you live now was saved because of the action you took. Because when I came back, my blood count had reversed, and I warned me. I got off the plane and said, "Jules, right, I'm going to a camo. Store. I'm going to war on cancer. I'm going to wear <laughs> army fatigues." And, I, and they're not coming off till I'm cured. And, and I think the mindset put me in a, in a place that saved me as well. And because uh, and when I came home, my blood count had gone in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I think really I was at a point in history where medicine was just starting to crack the code about cancer. And, and the cancer I had was, was lumped into a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma bracket when really lumped I had... Lumped in, Mike. Yeah, lumped in, excuse <laughs> no, that no one. No pun, no pun. <laughs> but really what I had was a leukaemia, and it's very similar. And, and so the, when I was re-diagnosed 10 years later, mm-hmm. the, the treatment schedule was, was uh, possibly not quite as um, intense as having a bone marrow transplant. Although yeah. I, I've stared at the bone marrow transplant window many times and been been faced with it but luckily i've just seemed to have stayed on top of the wave so you've never had to have a no bone. okay I've, uh, in 2015 i got close and my doctor got me on the trial for this new drug uh, i went to london and a specialist there said if you want to see your kids in two years you need to have a transplant right now but my doctor in wales is 
pretty amazing guy and very forward thinking he kept thinking that's too aggressive mm -hmm. and he got me on this clinical trial and this this is the drug that saved me again so i can still be who i am yes if i'd had a bone marrow transplant i probably wouldn't have the same energy to get jump in the crowd you in have, la anymore you but, have a lot, he has a ton of energy and you're you know it's you know i'm looking straight at you you have like smiling eyes. Like you have this happy face. Yeah. I love it. He had so, a lovely happy mum. That's it, yeah. Let me play another song from Sigma back to 2019. This is the brand new album. I want to play a little bit of time and then I have some more questions for you. Give you everything Everything you need All that I Everything you see, I carry it all with me. This is your life, these are your days. So take them and run while you can, while you still got time. Very nice, beautiful. Thank you. Love it. <laughs> what love uh, it, yeah. are you the first person that he plays new songs for? Um, it's it's hard to answer that one really because uh, we live in in quite an open plan house, and okay. so melodies are reverberating around. Are you constantly. just hearing it all the time? Yeah, I hear him strumming a lot, and um, we have a piano in the central part of the house, so you can't go anywhere in the house without going past this lovely upright white piano, and and because all four of us play um, in the house. Uh, it's lovely now because Dylan, our eldest boy, um, Mike, will, Mike will usually shout for me to just play a few melodies out on the piano, but now he shouts for Dylan. And so Dylan plays, <laughs> nice. plays with him. In fact, time, that song there, when I first started writing that melody, I, I got Dylan to play, the, it, I st in a way, started it on a piano and I had a little piano ding, riff. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. And, I got, and then I wanted to play it on the guitar, so I got a, a Dylan playing the riff and then you came down into the room and, and it, it was born in the family uh, household, really. You know, that's, that's a great but, story. But, but songs are happening all the time. You know, they, they, I, I could write them down in my phone now. You know, there's a phrase starts or you know, some lyrics come to you and, and just put them down and they're happening all the time. And with, with Blood Red Viral Black and Sigma and, and the Equals, the, this whole cycle we've been on this last two years, there was a lot of material. Some of it, I didn't even know it was going to happen until I got to the studio, some of it. Yeah, these, these two albums are companion pieces. They are prequel I mean, and sequel and yes. brother and sister, absolutely. Even even in the even in the um, the artwork and how they both look. Yeah, they were very cool. They, they were, the recording started on both records at the same time. Uh, and because and and, originally, like I said earlier, it was going to be a double album. Right. But I, I, when, when, once I started, the, the scale of the project started to be revealed... I thought, because every, every minute I said, oh, I've got another song now. And then George, the producer, would say, right, let's get on with these. And I said, oh, no, can I do another one more? <laughs> and, be, and it was just built up and built up. And, and then I to just thought... To be fair, the whole team around you, Mike, said, look, these, these are fantastic songs. Yeah. Don't lump, again, there's Don't the word. Throw them away, Don't lump yeah. them all into a double album. They, they're worthy of two separate I, albums. And I think, I think the music-buying public is more receptive to... to two single albums yeah absolutely uh, yeah, you know back right. to back then to a double album sometimes busy, you just look at it and you're like oh, this is going to be a lot yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then you avoid <laughs> it and then you avoid yeah. it yeah, yeah. You do, so yeah. I'm glad that you separated it yeah we, we are now especially yeah, yeah these are both great uh, and, and both it went, great pieces of work yeah when, when we got to that 
point of releasing, I thought this is going to be great to play with. When we put equals up, we we all knew there was a second album coming. But we didn't tell anybody, <laughs> right. but we knew that was it was something quite cool about. When we were playing, we think oh, we're going to play a new song tonight, and everything. Where's that come from? You know, you've just got a new album out, but it was uh, so it's been great to play things like Time uh, before it came out, which yeah. is and it's uh, it's been great for our audience, especially for the people who follow us around on the internet, and keeps the keeps the mystery going. And but you asked before about how the songs develop, and I think it's interesting being married to the leader and to the songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's just a constant uh, state that Mike is in. He's just, you, you have to learn when you are the wife, the partner of someone so creative to, to I guess, always learn to take a, second, a back seat, a second place. It is like having another woman in the relationship. <laughs> you mean the songwriting is the yeah. mistress? Yeah, the absolutely. Sure. Yeah, and to try not to compete with it and to set him free. If you love someone, set them free. And yeah, yeah I have to set Mike free and, and let him have the space to. I, I understand. You know, he's a father. He's a son. He's a son-in-law. He's he's a brother. Um, it's different to when you're 19 and trying to make it and write yeah. songs. But it's just as important that Mike has that space. And I think that's how our relationship has been. You know, for 32 years that. I, it, we, we enjoy our time apart. We love being together, but the secret of our success is giving each other space. And so That's what can, my wife and I do too. Like <laughs> she was out yeah. with friends last night. I'm like, of, of course, get yeah. out of here. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, have fun. Look, we can offer marriage guidance counseling here as well. Can't we? <laughs> <laughs> now, please tell us who else is in the band because it's not just the two of you. There's four, four people right now total yeah. in the alarm. So who, who else do we got in there? Uh, Smiley is our drummer. Smiley okay. Barnard, Stephen Barnard. Stephen Smiley Barnard. <laughs> but, He's with our children right now yeah. entertain them and entertaining them on the beach he's got them at the he's beach he's an okay. amazing drummer he he was uh played with joe strummer in the mescaleros oh wow and he, and he wrote he wrote to us because he was a massive alarm fan the alarm was the first band he saw when he was a kid so he was pitching himself to be your drummer while he was with joe strummer yeah he sent us an email with a picture of himself and said look just wanted you to know i'm playing with joe strummer with the alarm my favorite band in the world if you ever need a drummer all you've got to do is send me a message. Wow, that's great. And, uh, when we needed someone, he was right there. And, and, and I, I did do some gigs. When Joe Strummer passed away, mm-hmm. it was so sudden and unexpected. Um, the Mescaleros, Smiley was one of them, they really didn't have a chance to say goodbye to each other because the band had come together with around the fulcrum of Joe Strummer. Sure. So they wanted to play some gigs just to, so they could all get together just to pay their respects to Joe collectively without it being a funeral. So they did some gigs and and uh, they were saying, who who, was, who do you think we could sing? And Smiley says, I know just the man. <laughs> and uh, so I ended up singing for the Mescaleros for a few gigs and uh, it was amazing. And that, that was the first time I played with Smiley. I thought, he's, now he's going to come across the alarm. He's amazing. And he's really creative, brilliant drummer. Excellent. Absolutely out of this world. And then we have James Stevenson, uh, who's played in The Cult. Gene loves Jezebel. He was with Gen- Generation X with Billy. He was chatting to Billy Idol on Saturday night because they've been in Generation X together. And uh, So Je- Billy's backstage at your show the other night. Yeah, that's right, yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and Vanilla Ice. <laughs> and Vanilla Ice. This is yeah. very cool. Was How cool it, was that? But was Vanilla Ice on the bill? Or no, they were yeah, just he, hanging out. I think he was just, uh, he was on the bill, yeah. He, just, he closed out the... 
the set had everyone on stage, including, including Smiley. Our drummer, Smiley. Our drummer Smiley was in his element, <laughs> rocking out on stage with vanilla ice. He's a character. And I then, think the most important thing about when you ask about Smiley and James, that they're, they're our best friends as well. You know, yeah, James see, is yeah. godfather to our cho- uh, to Dylan. Sorry, James is godfather to Evan. Actually, <laughs> we get confused. <laughs> yes, yeah. Smiley's now honorary godfather to Dylan, and and when you come and, and see us on stage I think you know, if people are coming along they're not quite sure what to expect when they leave I, I can just tell when we're stood we cl- often close the show with a, a new song called Two Rivers and it's incredible watching the audience watching back at us we're all smiling it is the most incredible atmosphere at Milan gig but I think we give off that vibe you know because mm-hmm. we are it's really great being in a band together when you're older I think it's better than when you're in your early 20s because yeah, we all know who we are in life sure. and we're out on the road with each other because we choose to do it, not just because we're put together. You yeah, know, as or, or you many, have many to do it. You, just, yeah. you want to do it. That's often you choose your drummer when you're young because there's only, say, two drummers to choose from in your little town or village. You know? <laughs> right. That's not it. necessarily because you like them, whereas <laughs> this time we can do it because we yeah. really, really like yeah. them. We can have Pete Best or we can have Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but we're lucky. You know, all, all the, the people who've played in the alarm, are still part of the family. You know, mm-hmm. Dave, our original guitarist in the 80s, he, he's just been playing shows with us. He was on stage in Cardiff a few weeks ago. We're going up to San Francisco and Twist, our old drummer, he's already coming to the gig and he's plotting what song he's going to play. And, and that's how we, how we roll. You, know, you, you, you can... You never, you can go away, but you never leave. You never leave. And you, did, you posted a picture of you and Eddie a couple of weeks oh, ago, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, and Twist the drummer. Yeah, we, does that does that get like does that, was that, the, that was the reunion of seventeen, the band we had before the alarm when we were three piece. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, no, we we went to see Bob Dylan. And oh we, wow! We, we were all we all were going together, so we all met up at, for the night. We had a fantastic night. Does that get the the hardcore fan base though talking like, oh, of course it does. Is Mike yeah. going to get back with the original yeah. guy? What's happening? Does yeah, that, I'm do. sure that happens all the they time. They do. But we, we did a reunion in, in 2003 for, for the VH1 Bands Reunited. We, we put the band back together for that Let show. Let me tell you about that show. I created that show. Did you? Now, let me tell you this. This is one of those bad Hollywood stories. Right, no cool, way. My friend, uh, my friend and I at the time were brought in to work on that show because they, they, they had the concept but they didn't have anything else. They're like, we don't know. So we worked on that for weeks. We did the pilot episode with a with, band called with Wire, Wire Train. Train. <gasps> and my, my, my friend at the time hosted that show and after the pilot, every time we would pitch them something, we're like, they need to sign an album cover like for yeah, a contract. Yeah, they, would say, it, yeah. they would say, nah, we don't like that. So anyway, here's what happened. Okay. After the pilot, they got rid of the two of us oh, no. and kept did all of the ideas that we yeah, had. Yeah, they did. Yeah, Ouch. yeah, they did. And I loved the show, and it was so hard because I would, I would watch the show, and I loved the show, but then I would be secretly mad because they didn't they get got, something they right. Didn't get something. But um, they, when, when but they, they came cool. to me, that that was what they had me to do to sign the Eye of the Hurricane album. Yes, like yeah. you had me sign before. Absolutely, so I check that album now every time. I said, <laughs> but, uh, and I was surprised that there was. Uh, when I looked at it, I thought, oh, there's three other signatures here, but I signed it. And then, uh-huh. and then the first thing I did was phone them all and say, I've just been stopped by VH1. And they said, so have we. So have we. I said, well, thanks for telling me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was great to do it. And, and yeah. it, was, it was really great to play. And, and I'm sure the fans appreciated absolutely. it. Absolutely. Cool. And we, we, Jules worked really hard for that event. She just put the word out and, and brought in a hot, massive... It, people came from all over the world because uh, we were talking with Richard Blade, who was part of the 
production sure. team uh, the, the other night and he was saying that, that uh, remembering that most times they had to pay an audience to turn up to be there with the alarm they, to, they couldn't get yeah. enough of them in they were, no problem. They were turning them away and, no problem. and we had people flying in from all over the place and Jules was compiling the list because everybody had to be on there was, it was a free concert in the end and everyone had to be on the list and it was, a, it was a great night, really great night. Excellent. We've always worked closely, you know, with looking after the Alarm family. That's part... My, my father, age 78, still runs the Alarm fan club back in Wales. Uh, we have an open phone line. I and love it. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's the real deal, you know. And then we, we run the gathering, which is out of North Wales. So we have 2,000 Alarm fans coming from all over the world. But they get taken care of. And, and Mike taught me that when I met him in 1986. And I went back to see him in, in his house. And uh, he was, I, I will never forget it, he was sat on the floor surrounded by fan mail and he was diligently writing back to each person. And that's never left us. You know, anybody who emails in, uh, they will get a response. Uh, and of course now people get quite demanding if they haven't had a response within 24 hours. Oh, but they yeah. can actually just phone up and speak to my dad and he can tell them exactly what's going on. So, so Mike, and in, in, in you too, Jules, if you, when you run into fans, at, like if you would have been recognized today on the beach, maybe you were. Yeah. Yeah, but how, how do you do with that? You're fine with it? Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I've, we've been around so long, everyone's got my autograph <laughs> at least once. <laughs> and then we also have these events called The Gathering, which we've been running since 1992. And they've become a physical manifestation of the... Of is that the, like a fan club only type event? Is yeah. Is that what that is? It's, it's a, a, where everyone... It was created in Wales when, when, when we couldn't really travel as much. Okay. So we created a role reverse. We said to the fans, look, you know, I've got the cancer thing going on and all that. So you have to come on you tour. You come to us. Um, you do all the trains and the planes and we'll stay home and put this amazing weekend on. And it was like a festival around the alarm. That's a good so time. For three days you'd have everything you could think of. About, and there'd be films and quizzes and Q&As and parties and It's become a very successful format, may I say. And so yeah. much so that we've now taken it to New York. So we do the New York gathering and we get a lot of the British fans now who venture out who've never ever been to America before yeah. and they come and join us in New York but um, there aren't many uh, other bands that, that do it and I don't say that in an arrogant way I say it in sure. a way because um, because we are quite a family run affair uh, we do care so if you come to the gathering you, you, you get that personal attention you know on, on the Sunday every single person can come and walk with us on this beautiful promenade. Then they come back and they can have tea and coffee and they can all get to speak to the band, to have their photograph, every single person. We do not leave the building until every until single Until everyone person. is satisfied. Yeah. So very yeah. nice. That's yeah. great. It's kind of like takes the heat out of the situation. And, that, you know, when you, in the 80s when we turn up in somewhere like Oklahoma and we, hadn't, and we played there in 83 and then we didn't, didn't turn up again until 1989, and then you get off the tour bus and there's a fan by the door with his autograph. And, you go, and, he, and he's got 20,000 million questions and he can't get one out. And you know, see you, mate. And you walk past and you're doing your sound check. Well, as you see, when we turn up now, we did turn up in Oklahoma the other day. Yeah. Um, and those people often know my dad. How, yeah, how, yeah. how surreal is it? You What's know, your so dad's name? Give him a shout Peter. out. Uh, and I spoke to him this morning from Peter Santa Jones. Monica Pier. <laughs> Peter Jones. He's so the godfather. I talked to your dad on the phone? <laughs> yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's the godfather of MPO. So, yeah. And people, and my mum's my involved. You 
know, Mike's mum until we sadly lost her, mm-hmm. and uh, it's and Mike's brothers involved. It's a real family affair, yeah. and 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 also, yeah, we couldn't do what we do without looking after our alarm fans with respect. Sure. So we, do, I hate using the word fan. Actually, I tend to say friends because for the most part, ninety nine percent, they're they're people that have become our friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a lot. Of my girlfriends are alarm fans. Yeah, we've yeah. we've we got. We don't switch off. You no, know, we, we yeah, don't. We, you know, the doors never close in our family. <laughs> you know, in our house, they're always open, and 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 it's the same for the fans. They. They can call if they've got something they're not happy about or frustrated about. They can call and we, we, we give them a straight answer over the phone, and it takes all the pressure off. And we're only yes, trying I to do our best all the time. It doesn't take that much time to do that hands-on stuff. It really no, does. It doesn't. No. But, it, but, but you have respect. to be very committed. You you can't go and think, all right, the gig's over. Let's go and get drunk for twenty-five yeah. days. You you, you know the, the <laughs> next gig starts as soon as you walk off stage. Yeah. But we we learned that from being with you too in that when we first came to America in nineteen eighty-three with you too Bono was as soon as the gig was over he was thinking about the next show and, and where we get, what we're going to do when we get to there and what we're going to do when we get to here and, and, and at it, that point you know, with respect to Bono uh, we go to lots of U2 gigs and, and I, it's incredible watching the way the band um, works so hard to yeah. meet and greet everybody they don't have to do that anymore but they do they, they still really do it out here they, it, they, absolutely when they're at the forum yeah. wherever they are where they walk past the fans not past them but they walk yeah, through them yeah, and, and say hello respectful. and sign stuff yeah they yeah. really, well, really respect to you too and for yeah, giving absolutely. Mike that chance in the first place yeah dead right now you now is is it true that you were supposed to play the Red Rock show yeah <laughs> what happened we, we were the that was our first tour that was the third concert we were due to play in okay. America in 83 and uh, what happened was that uh, the rain was 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 thundering down and, and washed their paint washed their red paint off the stage and <laughs> The gig got actually got cancelled, and and a free gig was arranged for the next night in Boulder, Colorado. Okay, but Red Rocks being the sort of place it is, it's sort of an open public space, so people can come in and during the daytime they can run up and down the stairs and yeah. do their fitness, and um, and so. You two decided to go on stage and film one song with all the cameras they brought in from Britain okay. to get some footage to then cut into a, sh- a reshoot the next day indoors in a basketball arena. And so Bono said to me, well, we're going to, have to do this one song. Let's do a song. For, let's do Hard Rain's Gonna Fall by Bob Dylan in the rain. It'll be great fun. Ha ha ha. And OK, great. So we set up ready to go. You two walk out on the stage. And as they hit the stage, it's like a miracle happens. The weather just parts and, and the rain stops and they keep going. And Paul McGuinness, their man, is going, keep going from the side of the stage. He's, play another song, play another. He's, and they're looking, keep going. And, the, and they ended up playing their whole set. And when they came off, uh, I was stood at the stage waiting to go on and play Hard Rain's Gonna Fall and, and Paul McGuinness said, not tonight, not Mike. Tonight, History Sorry, Mike. is being made. But when you see the film, it's amazing because they, they hadn't really had any camera checks. That's why there's a lot of burn on, on the tape because mm-hmm. they hadn't calibrated the cameras. The, the actual album itself, the audio is really taken from another concert because it, the actual on the night recording there'd been no sound checks sure. and no balances so a lot of it didn't get to tape as good as it could have done in the early part of the show but the 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 atmosphere in the venue was incredible and so it there was no full. audience it wasn't full but there were some people there in was there. a couple of thousand people they were hoping for like ten thousand. Wow. And, and even on the original video when bonnet in the original red rocks when we were there there was a little tunnel from the stage under the audience and, and bono ran down that in the middle of electric cone and there was a, a covering over the state over the mixing desk 
desk and that's where he stood with his flag and they had four helicopters or two and come over and put their torchlight, their shone, their searchlights on him and that's where you get the cover shot but there was hardly anyone around him at the time because they were all at the front of the barrier and so they couldn't really use that footage in in the film because it exposed that there there wasn't that many people but it might they might have redone it for the remastered such an iconic it's such an iconic thing amazing photograph yeah uh, and that set up the scene but but that you don't really see that in the actual vhs when it came out it might be there on the remastered film i haven't seen that for a while now but uh yeah it was a, it was an amazing night and it defined you too yeah in, it really in, did to, for america and, and and around the world and that was an amazing it was an amazing tour for us to be there because it, that you know you two bono in particular when when they was going on the radio he was saying to the djs in those more open musical times mm-hmm. No need to play New Year's Day. Everyone's heard that enough. We're all going to play that. Will you play this record by our opening act, The that's Alarm nice. from Wales? And played The Stand, and that's how a lot of people heard about The I mean, Alarm for the that's, first that's time. That's like a perfect double bill, The Alarm and the U2, and U2, or The Alarm and Pretenders. That was a perfect double yeah, bill, absolutely, too. absolutely, yeah. And um, because, you know, sometimes back in the day, you're, you're opening up for a band that's not even close to, like, the same type no. of audience you might be bringing in. Well, the thing with U2... Uh, unlike how it is now, I think a lot is, and certainly when we started out, the bands used to have to pay to be on the opening act, but you two would never accept it. That's they, nice. They said, we want a band that we like. And, and, and they, you got to travel with them, yeah, you got to be around them. And they changed, they really, you know, alternative music wouldn't be what it is today without that groundbreaking U2 tour. The police probably need some respect yep. for, for changing that as well. Getting in a van and just breaking it down. Yeah. Breaking the perception of what new wave punk was coming out of Britain. Yeah, I mean, by the time Synchronicity came out, people forgot that, oh, six years earlier, these guys were in a van yeah. driving themselves around. They it's were. so absolutely. crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and, you know, it's, that's, that was, I think, because there was such a negative connotation with punk after the sex pistols came and yeah. and it was all hor- stupid stuff and sid vicious and it was nothing like what it's supposed to be that that set british music back quite a way and then it took a while for it for that to come down back through the fans uh, into real bands like you two and the alarm and, and the police and then and and it was those bands who shook hands with America and said, Actually, right. we're, we're not going to spit at you. Yeah, we're we're nice. just going to play in a great song. <laughs> and then people embraced the, those kind of bands and slowly, slowly the, the, the alternative music came through then and paved the way for the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Nirvana and Pearl Jam and, and all the bands that have come since. Well, let's go, since we're talking about that time period, let's go way back to the first album, Declaration. And you've uh, you've remastered the first two albums so far, right? Declaration and Strength. Yeah, and the first uh, EP technically as well called the Eponymous. One you signed. Yeah, the, the yeah. thing that you just signed. For yeah, we, we did that as a, that's eponymous because that covers all off singles yes. and demos from the the earliest times. So yeah, there's three albums so far in the remastering uh, series. So you're going to keep going. Yeah, next year it'll be either Hurricane. Okay, cool. Uh, And we're going to hear from Declaration from 1984. I'm going to play Marching On.
then Mike, I'd like to jump right into uh, another song from uh, from uh, Declaration. This is one everyone knew. This is a big breakout FM hit for you guys. It's 68 Guns. And now they're trying to take my life away. Forever young, I cannot stay. Do you still like seeing the old songs? Oh yeah, really do. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like family. You know, you, uh, I have to think when you when you're about to put a song out, you really have to t- t- say to yourself, right, this is giving birth now, and you're mm-hmm. going to stand with this kid whether it does good or bad for the rest of it. <laughs> That's its right. Life. You don't give your kids up. You don't. No, and I, I think songs come from that same sort of part and of the creative process in, in your in your life and so i i'm very proud to stand by the songs excellent and jules well people don't know this because you can't see jules but she was uh miming <laughs> the song and putting her fists in the air and uh, having yeah, a good time I, well i've i've been in the crowd you know from from the age of 19 i spent a lot of my formative alarm years as a, an audience member uh, tapping people on the shoulder any big tall guy especially in America, <laughs> and ask if I could climb on their shoulders. <laughs> I was like a massive alarm fan. I've grown up with alarm fans, so I know. Well, I've got my own little backing vocals and everything. <laughs> being, being in the band, I've had to learn to knock my own personal backing vocals out <laughs> and learn the proper ones. <laughs> uh, Mike, when it comes to uh, songwriting, who are some of your uh, uh, heroes? Because in some of the songs, like I think one I'm going to play from Strength, I hear like some Springsteen in there a little bit. At yeah, times. absolutely. I've always aspired to 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 the greats, you know. Um, and and my my first. Uh, um, You've real... got to tell your Springsteen story. Now, oh yeah, you have a Springsteen story. Let's hear that. Let's oh, hear yeah. your Springsteen story. Uh, um, well, I uh, was uh, um, well. I played a lot of support shows with. Um, for the Light of Day organisation, Springsteen's or oh, nice. when they go on tour. I played a lot of shows in, in the UK. And, um, and, um, and I was in, um, uh, I went to see Springsteen, I went to see little Stephen doing a concert. And I was invited to go into the dressing room and Bruce Springsteen was there. And, and he was like, hey, it's the guy from the alarm, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I was listening to your song while I was fixing my car the other day. And it was like, wow, you know. And we said hello and it was, re- you know, and he was like, like rain in the summertime and all that kind of nice. thing. Nice. That was the, that was the, you sound like Bruce Springsteen. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so. let me tell you something. Was, <laughs> yeah. uh, Mike then, Peters came in and I was listening to my, <laughs> I was fixing my car. And I was listening yeah, to it was. rain in the summertime. It was excellent. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> exactly what it was like and then I went to uh, Asbury Park to pl- uh, the Light of Day organisation asked me to go and play in the Paramount and I was thrilled to do so and, and there's no they said they, is Bruce going to be there there's, well there's no guarantee you know he, he doesn't come every time and, but you never know anyway so I, I turned up at the, the event and I was went and in the dressing room put my guitars away and uh, and there was a knock on the 
knock on the door. <laughs> Here we go. I, I open the door and it's Bruce Briggs. And he goes, nice. hi, Mike. You fancy coming on stage, playing a song? I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> yes. yeah. <laughs> and, we, and we played and, and uh, I went on, stood on the mic with him and sang cheek to cheek. And I, was, I hope you got pictures of it, that. Oh, Mike. yeah. This pic, you just Google it on, the, on Mike Peters, Bruce Springsteen. There it comes and, up. Uh, it does. And uh, it was a fantastic moment. And it, walking out there, when, when Springsteen's on the stage, I think everyone... Is, is raises the game. Everyone wants to. I would imagine do something that that that, that puts you up there with him. He, he's he's like a he's the the team leader. You're like trying to you're trying to impress the boss. Yeah, you do. Or you, you want to do your best. best. Hey, you want to sure. when you play that one chord, you want to do it just right. You might only get one, but you want it to be absolutely perfect. And and that's what great music is. When you when you got I've been on stage with Bono and Bob Dylan and Neil Young, and and they you always there's an awe when you walk on that stage and there's a certain amount of power coming from the stage you don't always feel with every band that you play on the stage with and and uh, when you go in in the midst of the, yeah. that kind of greatness that, that it's that's what you're you're aspiring to yourself you know when i first met bono and we had a conversation together in 1981 about songwriting it was about being the best yeah getting to that point where we could find the best in ourselves and also reflect the best of our audience and the times we live in and that and, and, and so we loved everyone from john lennon to mick jones and joe strummer you know all all, all the great springsteen woody guthrie we loved everybody, Bob Dylan, Neil Young. That was they were all our aspirational visions that we were we were trying to get to. Well, I don't know if you feel this way, but the guys that you named you know, Bono, Neil Young, Dylan, Springsteen. I, I don't know if you feel like they're your peers, but they, I'm going to tell you they they are your peers. You're right in there with them. Your songwriting is is oh, is, is that good? It really well, is. Well, you know, it's. Uh, I don't think you. you I would have been invited onto the stage with those guys. Well, that's if, true. If they didn't, didn't recognise something. Yeah, if they you thought know, you were just I'm somebody. probably a bit more underground than them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's sure, I'll but take they, the but they respect they respect what Absolutely. you do. So that's that, great. Yeah, that's it. That's that's uh, you know when when you get a message from uh, Neil, sadly passed away Elliot Roberts, who was Neil uh, Neil Young and Bob Dylan's management. I, I got to sing with Bob Dylan in 1988. And, and then, you were a manager. Yeah, I'm a manager for a while, yeah. And, and then uh, he sent me a message, oh, Bob Dylan really enjoyed it, wants to do it again. You think, wow. That's great. Little old me from real North Wales. <laughs> yeah. Straight out of real. Bob yeah. Dylan wouldn't say that if he didn't, if no. it wasn't true. He'd no, just I, like, mm, all right. I got to sing with him twice. You know, not many people can say that. I've, uh, you know, I can say it as, as Mike's wife, I guess. Because um, uh, I, can, I can be his biggest critic, you know, but... Um, uh, I have to say, as the years tick by, I have so much respect for him that he he never panics. So when he's thrown into those situations and asked to go up on stage, he always stands up to it. You know, just he goes for it. Yeah, he's, there's no fear, and he um, he he works hard. We, he's not called the hardest working man in rock for yeah. for nothing, but he everything he does, he just says wants to do his best, and he's he's. Yeah. He's still always doing his best, and that's what I love about him. And I think that's that's true of the people we've been talking about. When, when you know, our best man that married me and and Jules, it works for Bob Dylan, and and he tells us all kinds of stories about Bob Dylan. But it's always that his Dylan is still so aspirational. You know, he he wants to be playing his new music. Yeah, he he's, wants to be out there challenging his audience. He he's not there to play his greatest hits. That's for another time. Well, you know, all, all the people that I named, including you, are uh, 
are still prolific. You guys yeah. still, because it would be easy for you guys to just go out and play play the 12 hits yeah, or the absolutely. 12 well-known songs would, yeah. and get your money and go to the next gig. But I like when people are still making new music. I I want you to know fans do appreciate it. I, I know, think so, yeah. I know, uh, I know a lot of times it seems We've, like we don't, but we do. No, yeah, and nice we, we hear a lot. I think we're really beneficial in the alarm to have an audience that, that they want new music from, you know, they've, they've lived with us long enough to know we're not just going to sit back and, and We're very rest. modern though, aren't we? You know, yeah. we, uh, we're modern, we're ambitious, we um, have massive social media reach every single day. If you're an alarm fan listening out there right now, you're very busy because you've got your day job and then when you get in, you've got a lot to catch up with when you come to the alarm.com. <laughs> you've got alarm Facebook, alarm Instagram, you've got Podcasts. Mike's Diary, My Diary Podcast, it's it's full time job being a long fan these yeah. days. I think that's the thing about being in a band in the modern era, is you, it's not just about the music, but it's it's the broadcast entity yeah. you have to become. It's to, crazy to, to uh, even just to get it up above the the surf a little bit, you know, have, get yourself heard. But yeah. it's uh, but I think it's great because nowadays I don't think it's as frustrating when we were in the eighties and we want to make an album, we almost had to press one man before we could, we had to impress the A&R man yeah. with our demos before he'd let us go into the studio and thinking, but what if he doesn't get it? What if, if he's out of step with what we're thinking creatively yeah. and he's, all he's looking for is a hit and we're just looking to make an album that's going to last a long time and be forever, there's a conflict there. Yeah. And, and we don't have that conflict anymore. We no, you just do what, exactly what you want to do. Yeah. And I, I, and, and I know, think the, the music that you're making now is pure and it's, you can tell that it's your vision. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. You know. I think Saturday night in Los Angeles really sealed it for me that um, we'd played in San Diego the night before mm-hmm. and we normally play Walk Forever by my side, just Mike singing, me on piano and everyone starts instinctively taking the lights out and, and that night I just, I went to bed in my bunk, we're all on a tour bus which is really exciting, no housework for me, well bus work maybe, but um, I went to sleep that night and, and I don't get involved, you know Mike is our leader, right? we joke in the band, we, we might suggest things to him which he'll listen to but at the end of the day it has to be his vision sure. and he makes the decision. Um, but we're we're all uh, diligent, you know, and, and and we like we like to keep it fresh and keen. Mm-hmm. We don't just roll out there and play the same thing over and over again. But I went to bed that night in my bunk thinking we should really play some in front of the seven and a half thousand people. And and in the morning, I kind of tentatively said to Mike, because he can be a bit scary in the band because he is the leader. <laughs> Before he has his coffee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I just mentioned it. And he was like, gosh, that's so strange because I was thinking exactly the same thing. So honestly, on Saturday night, please, if you're out there, go and check the footage on the alarm.com uh, Facebook. It's, it is, it will blow your mind watching. Spectacular moment. Yeah. Excellent. Me and Mike are stood on stage with Smiley and Joe and we're looking out going we're straight out of real Mike and I and it's like <laughs> dreams can come true to the toppermost of the poppermost <laughs> uh, before I forget I'll just throw it out there right now it's thealarm.com yeah www.thealarm.com on Twitter it's at thealarm yeah and it's also at Jules Peters yeah if you want to if you want to know what goes on really behind the scenes yeah the real behind the scenes stuff that's the place I give the sort of girly stuff that I find all the female alarm fans like you know and the guys (laughs) actually yeah you know like if you come you'll see that we were all on the beach yesterday and you'll see Mike and his not 
cry in his trunks because it was quite cold yesterday on the beach. But you know, you see the. I think people are fascinated with oh, life sure on are. the road. Of yeah, course. and I like I I like to uh, to document everything. Um, so yeah, it's come and visit life. me out there. Yeah, the real life happens. Diary of a rock and roll life. And so I think now when we're on tour, we feel like the fans are coming with us. You know, the, yeah. we wanted the fans in Britain to see what we're up to in America and, and enjoy that and. Uh, because it's a it's a different kind of landscape, you know. As we were saying earlier, this you, you are, we're a broadcast network now, and uh, and so, and great moments happen on tour when you're not on stage, uh, that that really enhance the whole tour. So we want people to see all that. Yeah, I well. mean, just the fact you could take a picture and boom, post it. Everyone in anywhere can see it. It's yeah, crazy. It's amazing. It's really. scary, Incredible. but it's also crazy yeah. and it's also great. Absolutely. All right, let me go to the uh, the album Strength from 1985. This is an album called Spirit. I mean, this is a song called Spirit of 76. It was way back in 76. Our friendship full of pure innocence. We first met in Matthew Street, where we heard something that would set us free. This is the one that really reminds yeah, me of, of a Springsteen <laughs> tune. I yeah, love it, though. It's so yeah. good. Well, it's got a story there. That's the Springsteen's famous for his stories. But to me, that's part of the rock and roll history. When you go right back to Woody Guthrie, I always think of as before Elvis. He was, sure. if, he, if, if he'd walked into Sun Studios and, and, and got with a rhythm section instead of just an acoustic guitar, he might have invented rock and roll himself, you know. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a, a little bit of luck. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit of luck. Absolutely. You know, he never had a drum kit on the back of his records. <laughs> no. Unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, he wrote some amazing songs, great stories, and, and uh, that's what Spirit of 76, because uh, when I first saw heard Springsteen it was our A&R man Steve Tannett who'd signed mm-hmm. the alarm and he, he said Mike you've got to get into Bruce Springsteen and I just couldn't do it from the records it didn't make sense to me and then in 1984 I went to see him on the Born in the USA tour in Philadelphia mm-hmm. and it, in the Spectrum and it was like wow I get like, it oh now I understand the dollar dropped <laughs> and it was like let's go and uh, what a great artist now I could play so many songs that people know Strength Rain in the Summertime Sold Me Down the River but I'd like to play some something off um, this uh, this album, Gorilla Tactics. Oh right, okay. Is a killer. Yeah. I mean, this thing, this is like I don't know. This is like the Alarm meets the Ramones meets the Clash. I mean, it's all right. It's, yeah. it's I love it. So let's uh, try this one called uh, uh, Three Sevens. Is it Three Sevens, Three sevens Clash? Clash? Yeah. Let's hear this. Again. From 1977 until the free 
That's a short one for the alarm. That's about two minutes and 37 <laughs> yeah. seconds. That's, yeah. a, that's amazing. Well, we, we got described once in uh, the NME as uh, the British version of Green Day <laughs> oh. by New Order. And then, and then uh, Morrissey popped up in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the Q magazine saying if he couldn't have been in the Smiths, he'd have been wanted to be the bass player in the alarm. <laughs> and, uh, and I think when we, when we got to... Um, the 2004, 2008, uh, uh, there was a, a lot of um, American rock music was in that short Green Day uh, yes, yes. bursts, you know, Blink-182, that kind of thing. And, uh, and they, we were bumping into these guys at gigs. You know, I bumped into Billy Joe from Green Day, a cult show in Brixton in London. And he said Another to me, alarm fan. Yeah, and he yeah. said, my God, I've never picked up the acoustic guitar if I hadn't seen the alarm playing the wow. stand. And, That's uh, amazing. Yeah, and, so, and, and, uh, and it just um, brought out those sort of, uh, younger tendencies in me as a, as a writer. I just thought, thought we wanted to stay in sync with what was going on, and so I thought, well, we let's let's move, let's see what we've got in the canon here yeah. that we can work with, and and we actually in 2004 there's a song called 45 RPM uh, that was the precursor of all that that mm-hmm. we wrote for. Uh, we, the alarm was coming back to life again, and and um, I just thought. We got into the studio to make an album. I thought, well, there's so, such a lot happened since the, the, the original lineup kind of, kind of ceased in 91. I thought, well, I can't just te- make all that, bridge that gap with one album. I need to make five. <laughs> and, we, and we literally made five albums in five months and put them all out one at a time on, on the internet. And it threw up this massive body of work that, that was really the foundation of our whole future. And there's some amazing music came forth. And one song in particular, w- when we'd recorded it, we all sort of said jokingly in the, in the pub, having a pint after the session, that was by a young band, it'd be a massive hit. And we decided to put it to the test. Um, and we, re- we released it as uh, the Poppy Fields. And we got four kids in from another band to mime to it. And we, and we pretended that, that, that this is a brand new band and the enemy made it single of the week. We got it on the A-list, on, on, on the radio, on the BBC. And it was when it went in the charts, we revealed that the Poppy Fools were actually the alarm and what in was disguise. The song? what was the song? It's called 45 RPM. I don't have that one here. I don't have that one <laughs> no. queued up. But there's so much. There's two. But I can't it, have it all queued no, up. No, but it became, it, it became a gigantic story around the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was massive. And we were on... It was on the CBS News with uh, Dan Rather, you know, the, the conflict in Iraq. But meanwhile, back in Britain, this British band had fooled the whole media. And it That's was, amazing. It I love that story. That's and terrific. It became a, fi- the, the, it, a film got made based on it called Vinyl with, that had Phil Daniels, who was the star of Quadrophenia, the Who movie. Uh, and it was released in the cinemas in Britain. And that did amazingly well. And that, that really brought the alarm back to the fore again uh, with that sort of younger sounding band but but we were still uh, not not as as young as people thought we were <laughs> by the sound of it mm-hmm. but but it's uh, you know to me sometimes when you're being creative sometimes you have to go back to find your creativity yeah. uh, as well as being also being able to push forward and find new areas uh, to work in and a lot of uh, a lot of our artists um who who used to rock and then now the newer material is a little it doesn't rock as much it's hard to go back but you seem to be able to do it you seem to be able to grab that rock i think gene and pull it back in i think i'm i'm in a a, a creative space that i value we're not too popular mm-hmm. that we're trapped in success right I'm, I'm not so unknown that we can't 
move in different circles. And uh, so we, we, in, even in uh, 2017, we got an opportunity through Kevin Lyman, who produces the Vans Walk Tour, who the first show he promoted as an independent promoter was an alarm show oh that's great and, it, and it, we all treated it he, he'll never he never forgot that the band were great to him and gave him his start and all this kind of thing so he, he invited us to go and play on the van's warp tour and i thought okay that's going to be a challenge and it was you know we were stood there with our acoustic guitars with pickups in you know lambs to the slaughter some nights and how did it work how did it work out fantastic great we were going on after bands like attila you know and they're like, oh, no. <laughs> and all the screaming and circle pit and and we're stood on the set on the stage right opposite waiting to go on and, and as soon as and it, as soon as they finished their last chord bang we had to start and luckily we we were able to grip their audience and they think wow who are these guys you know and, <laughs> and then we made a lot of new fans and it energized the band you know we were mixing it up with all these kids who were coming over from anti-flag and bless the fall and what, what, what are these guitars? And my dad listened to you guys. This is amazing. And they're all stood on the side saying, we get them on jumping on stage and there's rocking out. It and was amazing. When young people discover you, then they realize, oh my God, look at all this catalog of music that I get to go back yeah. and discover for the first Absolutely. time. And, and, I, and that's why, because, because we're not trapped in a stadium tour. You know, we can go on the Vans Warp Tour and it puts us in a, an environment that a lot of established bands would never get themselves in. Right. And so we... Because we a lot of established bands might feel like that's a step down or, or beneath them. Yeah. Or, you know, what have, we got, what have we got in common with all those kind of bands? Yeah. Well, we're, we're just in the right side of being able to go in and do that and make it work for ourselves. But then the, 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 the reward when you go out there for a, a, a group of people that you don't think is going to be your crowd and you win them over. It's amazing. That's, uh, you know, a lot of bands, a lot of established bands forget what it's like to go in and be a support band, yeah. to go in and be unknown. And, and we, we've, we've, it's dangerous, isn't it's it? Dangerous. It is. It's really right. dangerous. And, and for us, it's, it's a lifeblood. It injects so much sort of sense of adventure into what we're doing. And, and Although we, as a joke, as much as I, Love the format of the vans, walk tall and Kevin. <laughs> I may well be washing my hair next time if we get offered something like that because it was my idea of hell. <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to play a song off of uh, Direct Action. Yeah, I'm going to play. I'm going to play. I'm going to play the title track. <laughs> Here we go. Fire in the hole. Wall coming down. Great drums. To an all-time low To find inspiration Where there is none You're gonna have to take Direct, 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 direct action Our youngest drums like this <laughs> Direct, 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 direct action Direct, 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 direct action Needless to say, that was the sort of song we were playing on the band's wall. <laughs> I bet, I bet. And it was a going over a storm. <laughs> I bet it was. Uh, I want to ask about your uh, foundation, the Love Hope Strength Foundation. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a charity we, Jules and I, started with a Texan friend of ours, James Chippendale, who, who we met because uh, I was coming... I was being advised to have a bone marrow transplant, and mm -hmm. let's just give the real story. You have been really annoying, having <laughs> having your chemotherapy, dressing in combats, and uh, hoping for the best that Bambi, the faith healer, was uh, on the right me. tracks. And uh, he was halfway through his chemotherapy, and he said, "Jules, I want to go to South by Southwest to play." And I just said, 
you must be, you know, you drive me crazy. Let's just stay in Wales. Let's stay safe. Let's crack on with your chemotherapy. Yeah. But oh no, our leader told us he was going to South by Southwest by hook or by crook. Yeah. Uh, I just felt so cross with him, but I just thought I'm going to have to do what he wants to do. And he was like, Jules, the only way I can stay sane and 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 cope with all of this is by trying to keep my own normal which for him is playing so sure. I did everything I could to to try and facilitate that and uh, we set off to I, I reached out to a guy called Richard Reese from Dallas Texas who was in radio and explained the situation and I because I'm a planner I just wanted to uh, make sure that we were safe and that I knew where the hospitals were because I'd gone through many many situations of, of Mike having um, a reaction to his chemotherapy a few days later mm -hmm. so I had to be very very vigilant and you know Mike Mike's brilliant at being off the cuff but so he'd just be like oh well, let's just find a hospital as and when but I'm like I'll be the one you'll be ill and I'll be the one having to do it so I found all those things very very um, terrifying I was only young um, but Richard Reese uh, said, I can do better than show you where the hospitals are. I can introduce you to a guy called James Jimdale, a leukemia survivor. He just had a transplant, James. And they sh but James and Richard showed me so much kindness. M Mike was nothing to do with this. And we exchanged emails. And James said, look, I'm going to pick you up. from. Don't fly into Austin. Fly into Dallas. And I'm going to pick you up. And I'm going to take you to my doctors at the Baylor Institute in Dallas, Lance Armstrong's doctors. And I want you to get a second opinion. I don't think that the, the National Health Service in Wales will be looking after you properly. You know, I mean, it's for free, for goodness sake. You don't even have to pay for it. It can't be good. Um, so he picked us up and, and he lifted our spirits. And, and as I always say, with hindsight, um, it was actually the, the right thing to do to be distracted. And that's how we started the foundation, Love, Hope and Strength, a line from an alarm song off the Strength album that Mike wrote when he was a young man, give me love, give me hope, give yes. me strength. Little did he realise how much that, that line would mean in years to come. And um, what the foundation, you know, the, the good that has come out of the foundation, the amount of lives that it's saved and hopefully will carry on saving long after we've left this planet. Excellent, good job. You guys are doing good work. You're making good music. And let's get into some more of the newer music. I'm gonna play something from Equals and then I'm gonna play another song from Sigma. And we'll get, what time do you guys have to get out of here? You're supposed to leave at Five time. minutes. In five minutes, you have to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's do this. First of all, I want to thank uh, Ken Phillips for helping uh, set this up for me, well, for setting this up for me. He's from KP Publicity Group. I want to thank my friend John Lamro from the Hustle Podcast. I want to thank Mike and Jules Peters. Oh, you we guys want to are thank great. you. Um, this has been fantastic. I hope, you guys, had, I hope you guys brilliant. had a good time. Brilliant. Yeah, superb. Oh, had a and time. Nice to hear some of the new music being played in uh, the show absolutely. as well. Fantastic. Now, when will we get like a full proper alarm show in Los Angeles, California? We're, we're looking at that at the moment. We're talking about that. We've just been to UCLA to look about doing something there. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and we will probably be uh, playing here sometime next year, I would say. All right. Uh, uh, probably as, as when we come back. Uh, on the next tour. Um, the, we are the, half Californian, you know, so yeah. we, we call ourselves uh, Welsh California. What did we say? Cali Welsh is, yeah. is what we are. But we've grown up coming Cali Welshians. Here, Cali Welsh men and women coming here every year. Our children have grown up in California nice. and we hold it very, very close to our hearts. Well, I would, we, we, had, I would, we played at the Roxy last time and that was an amazing show. Oh, the Roxy's cool. And so we want to come back and build on that. Now we've just done the, uh, the Microsoft Theatre. That was a big show. Yeah, that was. And a lot of people, where can we see a full set where that yeah. was all, Twitter was going well when you but because, when we played going back to what you were saying before Pat because we don't have to go through you know we 
we are the bosses of, of our destiny, I yeah. guess. So the, the most amazing thing now being in our 50s uh, and 60s um, is that we can come up with an idea. So we've just been driving around LA now having an amazing time and we've been talking about the next gig and, and we come up with plans and, and then, yeah, the next day we wake up and we facilitate it. So it's exciting. You can have a plan and we together, it's a lot of hard work and dedication, but, um, you know, you, you can dream big and... You make it happen. Make yeah. it happen. All right, let's play. Uh, I'm going to close. Uh, I'm going to play. I'm going to play a song from Equals first, and then a little bit of a song called Beautiful. Everything's breaking down, breaking down and being changed. Everything's drowning, going down beneath the waves. Terrific. That's uh, in the set. Yeah, we played <laughs> that. That's in the set. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. All right. So again, thank you. It was such a pleasure to meet both of you. Such thank a you, pleasure Pat. to spend time with you. Stay healthy. We thank will. you, Pat. We will. Keep fighting the good fight on yeah. stage and off stage. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll promote myself real quick. We are at Rock Solid Show. I am at Pat underscore Francis. You can go to rocksolidpodcast.com to find out everything about the show. And uh, it was, a, again, a pleasure to meet oh. the Alarm family, is what I'll call you. Brilliant. You're Thank part you. of it now, Pat. Oh, great. Well, when you, when you come to L.A., I'll be in touch. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, I'm going to play out with a brand new song from Sigma. This is from 2019. This is our playout song. This is Brighter Than the Sun. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Tears fall from a rainbow. Stars collide. In the sky As the light of the day comes home And the stars in your eyes shine Brighter than the sun Stars in-